looking through the verses before service this morning, I saw that word afterward, afterward in verse 28. And why did they put that word there? Well, obviously it applies to what was written before. There is a future prophecy here, but even the prophets of the day, the message they delivered, were applicable to their day. So afterward, well, what have we been studying the last couple of weeks? We've been looking at a real repentance. The necessity, well, on the day that I was saved, not just to receive Jesus into my heart, but there had to be a recognition of my sinful heart. And there had to be a repentance, a repentance that came into my life, a mindset of stop going in the wrong direction and now go in God's good direction. But also, every single day of my Christian life, there's that constant need for a new cleansing, to repent before the Lord, understanding that if I'm faithful to repent, God is faithful to cleanse. We have such a faithful God. And then last week we looked at a series of blessings. And so many times it's like, come into a saving knowledge of Jesus and you'll live the blessed life. Well, yeah, you will be blessed and there's no doubt about that. And we'll look at them again in a little bit, kind of review them. But the fact of the matter is, once I am saved, because salvation is by grace, but then it's time to go to work. Because I am saved, because I'm going to be eternal, uh, in eternity with my God, our, our purpose and God's plan for this life is to serve Him. Because I've been bought with a price. And again, the idea is I'm a slave and I have been bought with a price. And now my aim needs to be to serve my holy God. Well, it was for this example and God's desire that just before Jesus ascended to heaven... It's in the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 1. What's the last thing, one of the last things, excuse me, that he told his apostles before he commissioned them? Go to Jerusalem and wait. Because what were they always doing? They're always stepping out ahead of the Lord, especially Peter. And we can look at the Gospels and see all the foolish and silly things that that Peter said. And so Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Now, this wasn't a suggestion. This is a command. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Well, the question would be, well, to wait for what? Well, he says, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Well, what's the promise of the Father that has been reconfirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus Christ had said that when he leaves, he's going to send the helper. Well, that was what was confirmed by Christ. Where was the promise of the Father? I believe what he's referring to is right here in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not just the Jews, but on all flesh, all men and all women. A first mention for understanding as far as being filled with the Holy Spirit as it relates to God's will and God's desire is in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, verses 14 through 17. I'll be a little bit more emphatic for you guys who take notes with my scripture references here this morning because I know I can kind of blast through them and I get people afterwards. Now, what did you say? I don't remember. I'm done. I'm off. Numbers chapter 11, verses 14 through 17 says, Moses says, Moses is complaining, kind of like we all do, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. I've prayed that prayer before. 
God is so gracious and He's so merciful that we thank Him that He does not answer that. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now, for I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take of the Spirit that is upon you, and will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burdens of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. So Moses was the man who was called, but the man who is called as leader over those people, it's not sufficient within himself. God has not called one guy for everything. And so, myself, as the pastor, even filled with the Holy Spirit, the work is too great. It's God's intent to get others involved. Because again, He saved you by grace, and it's still by grace that we're able to serve Him. But we have to be of the mindset of, now, what is it that I am to do? And the only way I can ever do anything that glorifies God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. If Moses needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit... And then the guys who came alongside them needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. And again, it doesn't matter what you do. It's by the Spirit of God that we vacuum rugs. It's by the Spirit of God that we sweep floors or pass out donuts or sell books or whatever it might be. However it is that God has gifted you, God will empower you to do that gifting that He has called you to do. And so you need to understand and you need to know that, well, not to do these things in the flesh, because going back to the person who vacuums the floor, if they're in the flesh, they get discouraged. These people are a bunch of slobs. Every time, you know, look at the sanctuary, look at this rug, I just vacuumed it last week, and they've made a mess again. Lord, kill me now. <laughs> but the person filled with the Spirit, the person filled with the Spirit is rejoicing because there were people there. Because the understanding we're... When there's no oxen, the the stable's clean. But much work, many blessings come from the people that come into the church. And instead of complaining about the people, they're praying for the people that are making the mess. Not praying that they'd stop making the mess, but, but praying that God would truly grip their heart and God would truly use them for His glory. There's many others in the Old Testament who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Joseph in Genesis 41, 38. The craftsmen, the men who were called to do the, 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 the various works of construction for the tabernacle in Exodus 31.3, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Joshua was filled with the Holy Spirit, Numbers 27.18. Othniel, Gibeon, Jephthah, Samson, in the book of Judges, were told that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. King Saul and King David, 1 Samuel 10, 9 through 10, and 16, 13, Saul and King David, they were filled with the Spirit. So this is not a strange thing. What this is, this is a revealed thing. A revealed, revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when he says, I will put my Spirit upon you, he's not saying, I will put my personality upon you. He's saying, I will fill you with myself, the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He comes within us at the moment of salvation as proof of our salvation, but He comes upon us for the work of ministry. Two separate experiences. The key to our section of Scripture today, well, again, 
Remember our three forms of blessings that we looked at last week. God desires to bless a body of believers by material prosperity, national security, and the restoration of the lost years, all based upon a repentant heart and a willing spirit. But Mark chapter 8, verse 36 tells us, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What will it profit a man if he prospers greatly, but he's lost his soul? What will it profit a nation if they have national security, but they lose their soul? What good will it do if we have material prosperity, but we use it for our glory, and we don't use it for the glory of God? And again, a question asked in the Scripture, the answer <clears throat> excuse me, is to the negative. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses its soul? Nothing. Nothing. This life, as we're told in Ecclesiastes, is nothing but a vapor. It's just an instant in the big picture, if you will, the big picture of eternity. And we can so be focused upon our entertainment for today, our well-being for today. And God's not that concerned with it when it has to do with how you fit in with His plan and how He wants to use you. And again, I'm talking to every member of this church, every person who is here, and if you're from another church, God wants to use you, excuse me, in, in that church as well. And so, it's the spiritual always that confirms the physical. God has blessed me in physical health or physical wealth or whatever it might be for His spiritual picture to be used those, or to use those things for His glory to the capacity to which He has called me. So, Who is this spiritual blessing to? Again, in verses 28 and 29, your sons and daughters. He's simply speaking about the youth. The youth are to be filled with the Spirit and used for God's glory. But also, don't leave us old guys behind. He says, your old men, well, those are the elderly, without a doubt. The seasoned saints, the value that is there. Your young men, the idea behind that is the strong. And my men servants and my maid servants, just simply those who serve God. This event will cause men and women to act contrary to those who are of the nature of the world, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the world, the world will take up notice. The world will take notice through the change that has occurred at the moment of salvation, but how much more so when the Spirit comes upon a person, when they're no longer doing that which is it has been so common to them, but now they're filled with the supernatural power of God. I don't think my mother still understands what I do. Because at one point, it was hard for her to wrap around that I've kind of become a priest, you know, Catholicism, that I'm kind of this quasi-priest kind of person. And again, just not really understanding, but seeing something different and seeing something changed. You know, we, we do a radio show now on Sunday mornings, and I told her we're on the radio, and that kind of freaked her out. You know, why would he be on the radio? You know, just kind of running those things. But she was excited that her son's on the radio. Because I'm a star now. (laughs) The the point is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there's going to be changes. There's going to be something different. And the world is going to... The world is going to notice. Now, the scripture I just read here in Joel, turn over to the book of Acts, because in the book of Acts, we've got the commentary on that scripture. And again, it's through the Apostle Peter. It's through the Apostle Peter as he rises and speaks, but this time it's not foolishness. These are words that are spoken through the ability that the Holy Spirit has now given him. 
and the book of Acts, chapter 2. Verse 1. Then the day of Pentecost, it's now 50 days after Passover. This is the celebration of the wheat harvest. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We know the they is the apostles and the disciples of Christ. They were all in this one upper room. And suddenly, suddenly means unexpectedly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. As I said before, to be filled with alcohol, you're under the influence of alcohol. To be filled with anger, you're under the influence of anger. To be filled with the Spirit, you're under the influence of the Spirit of God. How come we don't see tongues of fire in the church anymore? How come we do not see the speaking of tongues, at least not as prevalent as it seems to be here at the beginning? Well, again, these people needed to understand what was happening. This was a new thing. Keeping in mind, as we'll see as we go through this study, they didn't have the Word of God, or at least the understanding or the fulfillment of the Old Testament as we have it. So now we can look back and see the surety of what was going on. They could look around them and understand that this was a supernatural occurrence. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? They were amazed. They came from all corners of the world. And, and, and there's this amazing unity that is there. Look around. Look around you right now. Look at the diversity that is amongst us. What's the big thing that doesn't seem to be going away in our culture? All of this, well, this rejection of the races, the prejudice, and all. And it's just, it's, it seems, just when it seems it's going to go away, it, it rears its ugly head once more. And again, we're, so, we're passing laws of discrimination or anti-discrimination and all this, and we just can't seem to get it. What's the problem? They don't have God. And if you look at a church that's truly a church, you're going to see a diversity. And how is that able to be possible? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot cause what you desire to come to pass in the flesh, but God's will will come to pass through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of His people. Skipping over to verse 12, And so... They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked, saying, ah, they're full of new wine. They, they knew they were filled with something. But Peter, now again, this is one of the greatest turning points that we see in a person's life. Peter was a fool all through the Gospels, always doing and saying the wrong thing to such a degree that he denied Christ and he even walked away. But God met him, Peter repented, 
And now Peter is a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's able to stand up and have something to say. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since this is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. I'm not going to read it because I just read it. He's quoting what we read in Joel chapter 2. He's reading those things and he's saying, This is the fulfillment of that prophecy It is now come to pass. Matter of fact, the reason God fills men with the Holy Spirit is for this exact purpose. What's the first thing Peter does? He speaks the Word of God. Those who are false teachers will speak of, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you turn on TV or wherever it might be, and they're doing all kinds of wacky things. They're doing things for the majority of the time that are drawing attention to themselves. The main purpose that God fills people with the Holy Spirit is for the work of ministry that sooner or later will accentuate the Word of God in the hearts of His people. It's always going to be the result of being filled with the Spirit at some point, somehow, is going to be filled or manifest through the, the preaching of God's Word. So, going back to the person that's vacuuming the carpets, how does that come to pass? Well, people aren't going to be distracted as the Word is being taught by dirty carpets. Pastor Mike doesn't have to come out here and vacuum the carpets. Not that I'm above that, but I'm able to put studies together, and I do four studies a week, and so I'm able to get that done. And so the point is, is that the word is going to go out. We'll see that in the book of Acts in just a little bit as well. Again, verse 28 in Joel chapter 2, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There's that word, prophesy. Nine times in the New Testament we see people filled with the Holy Spirit, in each case a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ follows. Each time the word is spoken, with the exception of one time, but it enables the word to be spoken, kind of what I was just talking about, my illustration with the carpet cleaners, and that would be in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brethren... The work of ministry isn't being done because the apostles are being overloaded. They're to commit their time to prayer and to the Word of God. And so they're looking for a solution, and they say, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. What are they looking for? What's the important church position they're searching for uh, to be filled? Waiting tables, distributing food. It was necessary in their mind that those people ought not just to do it in the flesh. Because what was the problem? They were doing it in the flesh. And people were playing favorites. They were playing favorites, once again, according to the ethnic, uh, eth- ethnicity. Ethnicity? Eth- basically who they, these people were. <laughs> and again, there it is, prejudice. And how is prejudice overcome? It's overcome by people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because see, in the flesh, I'm always seeking to exalt myself. I may not admit it. I may not even admit it to myself, but I'm seeking to exalt my head or myself. And I, I may say, okay, you know what? We need to have more people like me. If you want to come back to Calvary Chapel, Ontario next week, you all need to shave your heads. <laughs> I bet you I could get people to do that. 
And then we'd have the bald people and the hairy people. And the hairy people would be second-class people, and for once, the bald people will be the ones who are in charge and in control. Well, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. But these men are filled with the Holy Spirit, and so they're able to overcome the exterior. Because again, as I'm seeking to exalt myself, I'm going to look for differences, exterior differences, and what greater difference is there than our nationalities, our colors of skin, or whatever it might be. And so I'm going to start exalting myself just based upon these outward things. But somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit is going to look past the outward and see the inward. They're going to see the person who God loves. They're going to see the changed person who's now a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ and a brother and sister in the Lord. And they're going to rejoice in that. And it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Everybody is going to be provided for spiritually and in turn, everybody's going to be in, uh, su- supported physically as well. So what does it mean to prophesy? And really, are there prophets today? Because I've looked in the newspaper, some of the advertisements, and there's prophets teaching at churches across Ontario. At least that's what it says. Well, the gift of prophecy literally means to speak forth and to proclaim the will of God. Our main idea of a prophet is the example set in the Old Testament, men and women speaking the will of God to his people. That was the purpose of the prophet. Well, look at Joshua. All the way up until Joshua chapter 1, they didn't even have the written word of God. It was Moses who wrote the word of God finally, and Joshua was the first spiritual leader that had the written word of God. So before that, they had to all be prophets, but the Word of God, it wasn't finished at that point. And so you continuously needed the prophet. The prophet for the writing of the Word of God, because every author in the Bible is a prophet. He has a gift of prophecy. And you had those when the Word of God wasn't there. God desires the Word to go to a people. Still, it was necessary to have this gift of prophecy. Now, we've kind of attached to prophecy the ability to tell the future, but that's, not, that's more of a word of knowledge. Prophecy, again, is all based upon the delivery of the word and the will of God. In John chapter 30, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 30, speaking of John the Baptist, I've defined John the Baptist so many times, the last of the Old Testament type of prophet. He's called the greatest because he was able to usher in the Messiah. But here it says, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, and John the Baptist realized, I must dis- decrease. And so there's the decreasing of the prophet and the increasing of Jesus Christ, the Word. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, God, who at various times and various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, past tense, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, to whom also he has made the world. Jude 3, when everybody, anybody tells you they have new revelation from God, Jude 3 is the place to go, only one chapter. Beloved, why I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was delivered once for all, delivered to the saints. Once and for all, delivered to the saints. And so any prophecy today, or anybody who proclaims to be a prophet, If he brings something new to the table, John Corson likes to say, if it's new, it's not true. If it's not true, it's probably something new. And so if somebody brings some sort of new revelation, 
It's not true. That's why I would look to you in the face and tell you that Mormonism is false. It's a cult. It's false. Why? Because they're bringing new things. It's all based upon new revelation. Why would God need to bring new revelation? Did something take him by surprise? Did culture change in a way that he wasn't expecting and now he's got to kind of change things around to meet that culture? No, he's God. And the word of God, it stands forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass fades and the flower, or the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. And so, there are people in the New Testament that are referred to as prophets. These are giftings for God's seasons and purposes. There are four references in the New Testament that relate to prophets. First, again, was John the Baptist as he ushered in Christ. Jesus Christ is referred to as a prophet. He's so much more, but nonetheless, he's the word who brought the word of God to us. There's a man, Agabus. Two instances of Agabus' prophecy seem to be along the lines of a word of knowledge in Acts 11.28 and 21.10. Others, the other prophets, why would God need prophets after the coming of Christ? Well, books weren't as prevalent as they are today. And you have the church spreading across the known world as like, just like wildfire. It's just going rampant. And so the growth of the church, it far outpaced the ability for everybody or even every church to have the Word of God. And even during that time, the Word of God is still being written by the Apostle Paul and Jude and John and so on and so forth. And so what God would do, instead of a, having a Bible in that church because they weren't able to, he would have a prophet in that church. And a lot of times he would have a prophet and a pastor. Sometimes a pastor could be the prophet, but it didn't matter. But God would have a prophet for the purpose of this church. Not bringing anything new, but bringing that which has already been given. So that church could learn, that church could be taught, and that church could be instructed. Others who are spoken of as prophets are Silas, the daughters of Philip, and the apostle Paul. Again, verse 28 of Joel chapter 2, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Do I believe that the gift of prophecy is active today? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells us it is. But how is it active today, this gift of prophecy? Again, bringing nothing new, but God speaking through a person in a particular situation. Now, if we have some, let's just say, for instance, a young man who feels called to be a pastor, and he comes to me and says, you know, I've got this calling upon my life. I want to go out and plant a church. Well, I'd pray. I'd pray about that. Lord, what would you have for this young man? And part of prophecy is the revelation of God's will concerning people's callings. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of eldership. Again, not predicting the future or anything, but just knowing and understanding God's will in an individual's life. It is seen in those who are open to speak according to God's word, led by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and seems to work at times in conjunction, as I said before, with a word of knowledge. What about false prophets? There's plenty out there. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now when he says spirit here, he means every personality. But test the spirit, test these, these persons, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How do we test them? Once again, what they are saying, does it line up with the word of God? And I've mentioned names from the pulpit before, and I can boldly do so because what they say, if what a person says does not line up with the Word of God, then they're false. Can they repent and get right? Sure, there's always opportunity to repent and get right, but there must be the bearing of fruits to repentance. A biblical checklist in discerning a prophet, does the prophecy line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with facts? Simple facts. Um, I can't think of anything right now. But if, if, if I'm speaking in a way that makes no sense with what we know to be true, then it's false. And then lastly, who's glorified? Because the false prophets that I've heard, it's been for the purpose of glorifying themselves. Prophecy will always glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, as we're told in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, is the spirit of prophecy. False prophets today, again, as I mentioned, Joseph Smith, but just basically any founder of any cult. The health and wealth movement does not glorify Christ. It's more people in it for their own benefit. The emerging church that changes the word of God and says the word of God is morphing, that's false prophecy. And so again, I must be a student of the word so that I am not susceptible for every false wind of doctrine. Verse 28, And shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. What does it mean to dream dreams and see visions? Well, this is God speaking and motivating men. Again, we see it with the Apostle Peter as he was in a trance or he didn't know if he was dreaming. Or the Apostle John, when revelation was given to him, he didn't understand if this was something he was dreaming or something was being revealed. The Apostle Paul, when he got a vision of heaven, he didn't understand if he was in the flesh or out of the flesh. They didn't really know. But the fact of the matter is God was revealing these things to these men so that the Word of God could still be written. And so... Everything that they wrote, not only where they wrote it, but in other places, lines up with the Word of God, so it's, it's all good. And so, if God has given you a dream or a vision, you must ask yourself, does this line up with the Word of God? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not true. I had a dream and a vision the other day of cannolis. I don't remember where it really appeared to me, but it says, go forth and eat cannolis. My wife told me I was a false prophet, that that was not a dream or a vision from God, but it was from the devil. So Peter, he gets this vision of these unclean animals and this call to go and preach the word to the Gentiles. Now, does that vision line up with the word of God? Well, it's always been God's desire for the Jews to be a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 49, verse 6, Indeed, he says, Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the uh, perverse ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you shall be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So, when it comes to prophecy, prophecies, dreams, and visions, the Word of God takes 
It takes precedence overall. Turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now here's the Apostle Peter, John and James were with him. They got to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw the Lord transformed into a spiritual body before their very eyes. And you could say, man, I, I wish I was there. When I was in Israel, I stood on Mount Carmel, and you could look across the valley, and you could see that mountain where, where this occurred. But I wish I was there. I wish I could see it. And Peter's telling us here that you've got something even better. In verse 16 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Again, he's talking about that transformed body. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory, This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we have heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Now, if you look at the original language, it's better translated, are we also have the more sure prophetic word. More sure? More sure than what? More sure than the things you experience? More sure than the things that you see? It gives the proper explanation. It gives the biblical definition. And so, when we're talking about marriage, what is marriage? Well, I can hear the argument for the contrary to the biblical side and think, wow, they've got a pretty good idea there. But what does God want? What does God desire? I can so become confused in my thinking, but we always come back to the Word of God. We always come back to the Word of God because that's going to confirm the reality of whatever it is being discussed or whatever they're attempting to to redefine. Back to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. We'll move on. And it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be a deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant who the Lord calls." And so there's the tribulation reference that is there. But we have to put this in proper perspective. Now, we can talk about, we can turn this into a tribulation uh, teaching, which not a problem with that because it's the Word of God, talking about these pillars of smoke and the sun being turned into darkness and the moon into blood, and there's direct correlation there. But what I want to talk about is all who call upon the name of the Lord being saved. Because number one, if you're a born-again believer, you're not going to be here for that terrible day. That terrible day, as we study, as we look at it, needs to be a means of motivation for those whom I love, that they wouldn't be there for that most terrible of days. So as God desires for all men to be saved, or whoever calls upon the Lord to be saved, I need to present the Lord to them. I need to present the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to set myself through the power of the Holy Spirit, again, to the capacity to which I've been called, and you've all been called to some capacity, 
to see that the word of God would go out and that people would get right with Jesus Christ. Because that terrible day, now it's not terrible in the perspective of God, but it's terrible in the perspective of those who are unsaved, that they're going to have to experience those things. And just to get a little bit of a picture, there's the birth pangs that have been increasing. The earthquakes that we have. They're starting to come to more populated areas. There was... 133, I don't remember what the count is, down in Ecuador. We prayed for it before service. Look at Japan. What was there, like three major earthquakes in the last week to two weeks? These things are coming. They're still talking about the big one coming to California, and we've been riled from bed a few times by some pretty hefty earthquakes, seeing some freeways that have fallen, and many people who have died from those as well. And again, it still blows my mind, ISIS. I was uh, looking at Frontline. You can go on the internet, Frontline, and you can look at some of their documentaries that they do, and I was watching one on ISIS. ISIS is just stupidly falling into all of these victories. There are like 200 people, and they come against 10,000, and the guys throw their weapons down, and they run away, and they get all the weapons, and they recruit the people from from the village. Matter of fact, I even read an article the other day that some t- guys, some Taliban, because they're starting to come into Afghanistan, some Taliban that they had recruited have left them because they're too violent for them. This is demonic. This is demonic. These are people who are rejoicing in blood. And it, we see these things happening, but we see the fulfillment of these things in the book of Revelation. And so, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved from the tribulation without a doubt, but even more than that, even a worse experience will be saved from eternity apart from the Lord. We have that responsibility. We have that responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that responsibility to, to be used by God and to recognize the opportunities and to follow through. Because the fact of the matter is, and there's no denying, here we are in this book of Joel, written so long ago, about 2,500 years or so, whatever it might be, and the thing about it is it's still relevant for today. And and, and every word in this book is still relevant today. That it's undeniable that if we do these things, we'll be blessed. If we don't do these things, we're not going to. Our nation today has no basis for the morals that it spews. I mean, it's spewing morals. They're just not biblical morals. Trying to legislate morality. You cannot legislate morality. Guns, people are killing each other. Let's make it illegal to murder. How's that working out? Oh, well, it's not the person. Look at all these guns. Well, let's get rid of the guns, and then we'll have no more murder. Well, we're going to have to get rid of the guns, and then we're going to have to get rid of the knives, we're going to have to get rid of the cars, we're going to have to get rid of sticks and stones so we can no longer break bones. It, It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so that being the case, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Salvation, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, God is faithful. God is faithful. I've seen people, heard even recently, people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at the end of their lives. That's okay. Why? Because God's faithful, and through the filling of the Holy Spirit, He has enabled us to be faithful. And I have to understand that I can't sell God short. Ourselves, we're going to fail. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
There's a due dynamic there. We are now under the influence of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you become filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, once again, the Spirit will enter you upon salvation. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is all you have to do is ask. God's faith, God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. My wife was telling me, this was a while ago, that I needed to do something with this man, and he was just making a mess of things and everything, and I told her, he's got to want to do it. And I can just throw a, Lord, fill everybody with the Holy Spirit. But it has to be up to you to want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. You being evil, you know, us being sinners, we know how to give good gifts to our children. Yesterday was my granddaughter Mariah's happy birthday party, and we gave her good gifts. Matter of fact, we were kind of cruel because it was kind of late. We didn't want her to open it and make a mess. So you can't do it until tomorrow, to today. And so it's driving her crazy. But you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more so will the Father in heaven give the Spirit to he who asks? And so this is you. And I'm not going to have this great you know, calling and raising of hands and all of that because it's not about that. It's about what you want in your spirit. And I'm talking about your personality. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you take some time. You take some time to seek God out and ask God that he would fill you with your spirit. Do you have a wife that isn't all you, that you think that she should be? Ask God that he would fill you with your, his spirit that you could be the husband that God wants you to be and, and vice versa. Your, your children are having a difficult time. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Enable me to be the parent that you have called me to be. The job, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Enable me to be the employer or the employee that you have called me to be. Lord, I come to church and I vacuum rugs. Lord, fill me with your Spirit that I would do it for your glory. And again, that's a prayer that we're told in the Bible that God will answer. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord, for your Word. Your Word that blesses us and enables us. And I just pray, Father, even as we're about to partake of communion, we just see, Father, the necessity of receiving unto ourselves. Receiving unto ourselves, Lord, as you offer and and we accept, receiving unto ourselves, Lord, as you give us this food of your word, Lord, and as we consume it, it becomes part of who we are. And so, Father, we just thank you for this morning, and I thank you, Father, for your word that guides us and leads us in the ways of righteousness. And, Father, we can take these things in a manner that it becomes routine, and we can become so hypocritical about them. And, Lord, that's a commonality to all of us, But I pray, Father, through your Spirit that you would enable us to overcome that. We would see the reality of these things. That we would look around us in creation and the state of our nation, the state of this world, and we would see how far, Lord, this world has come from you, and we can see, Lord, that the blessings aren't there. And so, Father, I pray for any change, any revival that you desire, I pray, Father, that it would come with these people here today who are filled with your Spirit, Lord, and doing your will. And so, Lord, we need to truly be of the mindset because it's what we see throughout the scriptures that you do great things that you do mighty things through very small and very humble things and so father may we be humble consider ourselves to be small but understanding that we serve a mighty god the apostle paul said in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night he was uh, which he was betrayed he took bread 
Apostle Paul, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. What is he doing? He's just delivering what he's received by the Lord. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Goes on to speak of receiving this communion or partaking in this communion in an unworthy manner. So I just want to take some time. I want to take some time to consider Christ. That's what the communion meal is for. I want to take some time to consider yourself and consider your relationship with Christ. If there's an area that you need to repent, take this time and repent of it so you can have a clear heart before the Lord. If you're a person who desires to be filled with the Holy Spirit, ask him if he would fill you with with his Spirit. And so, again, these things that we study, these things are reality in the lives of God's people. We need to embrace them. We need to hold on to them, and we need to do them. So, Father, as we partake in this communion meal, we pray once more that you would bless us. We pray, Father, that as we are doing your will, that you would just simply go before us, Lord, and we would realize once more that these elements we hold are representative of the faith that we hold deep within our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in worship. Scott's going to come up here and uh, take the lids off the things, basically. Uh, You guys make two lines, one on either side, so we can get through it. Take it back, hold on to it, and we'll partake together.